0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First
1: pick. In the nineteen ninety one NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select. Larry Johnson from University. I'm not supposed
2: to
0: be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, don't don't make it.
3: Charlotte, we're back.
2: Welcome Hornets fans. This is Richie. We've got another post-game episode lined up for you guys today. Uh, The Hornets just finished their fourth. Preseason game against the Washington Wizards. They did fall. It was a near win. They were leading after three quarters, uh, but in the fourth quarter, some of the younger players uh, took over. Who would have thought that this game was going to be a battle between the 2020 second round bigs between Nick Richards and Vernon Carey Jr., both drafted by the Hornets, uh, and Carey Jr. kind of went off in that fourth quarter. So. Brian, I, I know this is a Hornets pod, but uh, I do want your quick thoughts on the Panthers firing Matt Rule.
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like about time, right, with Rule. And now starts the rebuild. Just don't mess up uh, the next hire as badly as you did this one because, man, what a just colossal failure uh, it has been the last couple of years. So looking forward to that they can finally turn the page uh inside that building um and yeah i don't know do you have any thoughts on them uh canning rule
2: well it was definitely long overdue in my opinion i I thought it was going to happen you know last week or the week before and uh we went to the panthers game against the 49ers and it was the worst outside the game but it was the worst experience in terms of just opposing fans inside the stadium and uh (laughs) you know Panthers fans are just selling their tickets off because the product on the field is not great. They don't necessarily support, you know, Matt rule it, it feels like, or or Tepper uh, to a certain extent as well. And it's almost like Tepper didn't want to admit his mistake by hiring Matt rule. And it's almost like he wanted to be too patient with him. It just college coaches. I mean, besides Pete Carroll, they never work out in the NFL.
1: Yeah. And, um, I mean his his whole I mean that's a whole other conversation about Tepper but man it just my from an outsider's perspective it feels like his sort of like headstrong nature with headstrong nature with everything that that he's done since he like bought the franchise is just man him having an outsized imprint on everything that's happening all of it getting fucked up and then him being like just like the righteous indignation that he's had throughout all of it is just like i mean i don't know for me again as someone on the outside whose fandom is dwindling rapidly uh i've i found it to be mostly off-putting but um that's just an outsider's perspective i suppose
2: <laughs> all right let's get to this uh hornets game i wish uh it was a win but again it, it's preseason basketball this team has improved a little bit every single game uh, if you want to look at it that way glass half full kind of perspective there it's just some team notes heading into the game Cody Martin didn't play again you had uh, Kelly Oubre and PJ Washington both out as well i would hope that if this was a regular season game not that the hornets are like in a dire need to to win every single game that they need to play but hopefully They're not serious injuries, and they would play if this was, like I said, a regular season game against the Spurs uh, when it comes a week's time from now in the regular season. So those three were out, uh, but we did get production from other players. We did have, uh, speaking of injuries, we did have Gordon Hayward play his first game of the preseason and I think he wanted to play earlier. The training staff and Clifford shut him down You know, earlier in the preseason. Maybe it was like game one or game two where it felt like uh, he was cleared to play or he could have played, but they decided against it. And I think that's probably for the best. But I'll speak on his play real quick because he only played in the first half and they probably had the plan of a minutes restriction for him tonight. He had two early mid-range shots, like that's just his mo in the first quarter. One of them was on the first touch of the game, and then another one of them was just off a steal. Like he he read a pass at mid-court, jumped it, took like one dribble in stride, hits the mid-range pull-up shot. Like that's just his game, and it just like Dale said, it's like a layup for him. Like that that is where he butters his bread right there in the mid-range, and to me, like more importantly. He looked fine. And in terms of his movement, you know, who knows about his like game shape and stamina? But again, they only played him for that first half. I think the rehab over the summer obviously has been successful on that end. We can knock on all the wood that we want, but if you were to just look at him and his movements out there, it was perfectly fine. And uh, barring some kind of freak injury, you hope that this team has a plan play them in short spurts, play them in limited minutes like they did tonight. I think that's the way to go. And it sounds like they do have a load management plan in place for Hayward.
1: Yeah, which is good. We've asked for that for a while. Uh, coming from this pod of, it does feel like the approach the last couple of years, the first two seasons with Gordon and Charlotte were, just play them as much as you can until, until things break down. And I think at this stage, it seems like, that there needs to be a little bit more of a plan than that, whether that's a uh, you know, mandated rest dates, minutes restrictions, whatever that is. Um, and I, and I don't want to indicate that the last couple of years, they were just throwing caution completely to the wind. Um, I think at times they've been careful with Gordon, but I do think if you want to see him somehow playing competitive basketball in March or April or whatever, then he, you you, know, you can't plan for injuries, but you gotta do some things to try to mitigate some of the stressors and some of the risks that can come along with um, you know, with a very long and grueling eighty two game schedule. But he played well tonight, looked good. Um, you mentioned the first, I mean, right out the gate, they first I guess it was the first play of the game, <laughs> yep. right? They went a little the, in action they've run a fair amount in the preseason, actually. The the book night ran it a couple of times the first game against Boston, but Little UCLA screen, Lamelo throws it to throws it to Gordon Hayward on the left wing. He cuts off of a uh, the, 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 but yeah, the the UCLA sort of like back pick from Plumlee. Then he clears to the weak side. It comes off two staggereds, and that empties out the corner for Hayward and Plumlee to run empty side pick and roll, and they got a bucket off of that. <clears throat> and in general tonight, I just thought like that and. One other action they went to did was did a nice job running empty corner pick and roll. You also saw them do a lot of the guard-to-guard screening action. Um, getting the switch, then the one guard who screened would clear to the opposite side of the court. Then whomever was playing center would come over with that corner, then emptied out and run empty side pick and roll with LaMelo, with Dennis Smith Jr., with Terry Rozier, with James Booknight. They had a lot of different guys that got to create out of that type of action. But having Hayward in there is a guy that you can run pick and roll with. You can run offense through. They even had an ATO later in the game to get him, um, you know, look from deep coming off of a pin down a little, little another little more uh, chin action. But then instead of it launching it, pick and roll, I think Plumley just went and set a set of a, a down screen for Hayward and looked good coming off the down screen and, and getting up from deep. He did not make it, but the versatility of Hayward is a guy that can shoot from a bunch of different levels. That can make plays. He, when healthy, he's a very solid offensive player. It just comes with uh, with an obvious uh, caveat. But I think you know, no matter how you spin it, good to see him out there uh, tonight.
2: Yeah, in twelve minutes of play, he had six points on fifty percent from the field. Uh, the leading scorer tonight was actually Terry Rozier. He got his points going early. And uh, it was one of those games to me where I thought like, you know, he had 20 points at halftime. He had 24 points in total. It felt like a quiet 24 points because agreed. Agreed. I mean, he he did do his his damage, obviously, but just it it just felt like it was one of those games where it was like spread out across the minutes that he played. He had like a nice spin finish near the rim early in the game, had a couple of sidestep shots going uh, and finishing and with 13 points in the first quarter. It felt like he had. I mean, not that it, not that this is like uncommon, but it felt like he had the ball in his hands a little bit more than usual, and he's very much into the idea of trying to beat his man off the bounce. And I do think he's got, you know, the dribble moves to do that. I just don't want him to get in the habit of over dribbling, even though, like, I think in the third quarter he had a really nice, like, leaning mid-range shot after like dribbling the air of the ball like it was one of those shots where like no 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 this is not going in this is not going in but it was pure it, it was a, a very good shot um and he has improved in the mid range and, and has been pretty consistent the past couple of years and i don't know what you think about this but i hate to keep going back to miles bridges but it it feels like there needs to be a player that can take on the role of breaking down the defense with the ball in his hands now he's not going to provide the same type of like burst and explosiveness heading towards the rim but outside of Lamelo, there's not many players that are going to use their dribble moves to try to break down the defense mellow does it more so to get others involved Rozier does it more so to score by himself i don't know if the playmaking is going to come um but you know you do need someone to kind of fill those shoes of trying to break down the defense because miles bridges definitely left that uh with the hornets
1: yeah, that one Rosier possession you're talking about in the second half. I I don't think anyone else touched it. Um, uh, he yeah, yeah. He dribbled the entire possession. <laughs> but I agree. I I when I pulled up the box score after the game, I was surprised to see he had 24. Um, I mean, I knew he got his, but it to your point, it it none of it seemed uh, particularly memorable except for this one second half possession where he uh, was. <laughs> Refused to pass the ball to anybody before shooting it, and yeah, I mean he's definitely going to be in line to make up some of those reps and and some of those possessions that are that are lost without without with the absence of of bridges. They're just not going to go that well. (laughs) Like I mean, he'll have some nights where the jumper is flowing and the runner and the floater are going but there's just a distinct rim pressure concern with him. And he, and you touched on the playmaking component and his limitations there already. Some of which is predicated off of the lack of rim pressure too, which, which confuses things. But there was also possession in the second half where kind of like a secondary situation. Rozier had the ball was dribbling with it. Nick Richards, there was like a breakdown from Washington. Richard Richards was wide open and was, you know, playing a great game and had been very active with these rim runs in transition. And I mean, Terry just, uh, he didn't see him. He turned his back to him. Richard's called for the ball. By the time Terry turned back around, uh, Washington had uh, set its defense and put a body on him. It was just like a very obvious miss one that someone let, you know, like Lamella ball is not missing that pass. You know, there's just, they, they don't, that doesn't happen. I think you could see, you know, someone like maybe Dennis Smith Jr. is in line for some of that. Yeah. The DSJ was was pretty aggressive getting downhill when they would use him with empty corner pick and roll, or they ran Spain pick and roll a bunch tonight and a couple of times with Dennis Smith Jr. as the ball handler. He can really like get into the paint, get two feet in the paint, and collapse the defense. Like the the guy who's popping on that, it was Rozier on at least one of them. Is just kind of wide open, and and, and that has to do pretty much with with Smith's ability to um in the midst of that traffic get downhill and and force the defense to, to collapse a little bit I mean we'll see if that's able to translate to the regular season but um at least for tonight it, it looked pretty good and obviously book Knight will be in line for some of that you know hope for the best and he had some better moments tonight we've kind of already talked about book night a yeah. little bit so we don't need to go into it but you could just see the highs and lows with him tonight Um. Uh, Lacking in confidence, and sometimes you know, lacking size in the elite vertical pop to finish at the rim in the half court. Someone uh, blocked his shot. One of whomever watching, I don't think it was Carey, but some maybe Hachimura. Someone really blocked Mm -hmm. the hell out of his shot late in the game. And look, maybe it's Bryce McGowan's who I thought had a handful of, of really nice possessions tonight, driving downhill. And then also had a, a pick-and-roll possession with Kai Jones where the Wizards blitzed him. So they put two guys on McGowan. He threw it to Kai Jones on the short roll. Kai Jones, with the shot clock uh, dwindling, had the had the poise and the wherewithal to find JT Thor uh, for a kick-out corner three. So I've actually thought Kai Jones even had some nice flashes in the pick-and-roll
3: offensively late in the game
1: Before we transition to maybe talking about some of the, the centers, because we should talk about more about Richards and, and Williams and maybe even Kai Jones, uh, there was one bit of pretty concerning uh, news. This came in the third quarter tonight, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, but LaMelo Ball driving. And was it Monty Morris? Is that who's... He anyways, no, it was Gil, it was Gil, it was Gil. I mean, LaMelo ball suffered a a left ankle sprain, uh, stepped on Gil's foot while he was driving, um, went down, looked like he was in, it it did not look good in real time. It it didn't look good on the replay either. He was down for a few minutes underneath, underneath the stanchion, underneath the basket. And then eventually was able to, uh, I guess he shot, shot his free throws and then they immediately subbed him out. And uh, he went back to the locker room with Joe sharp and uh, like within seconds, you know, they declared him out for the remainder of the game. No surprise, but it was not a great game for Lamelo in general. Like he really struggled to finish in this game yes. to end shooting. And uh, it just, I mean, Kuzma, Gafford, Porzingis, like all these guys made life difficult for him when he was trying to drive or finish around the rim. But Look, this guy's one of the coolest, brightest young stars in the game. He's the best player on this roster, and um, seeing him go down is uh, a little scary. Richie, what went through your mind uh, <laughs> when LaMelo uh, hit hit the deck there?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, a lot of things went through my mind, and... Uh... You know, I had the volume turned up too, and you can kind of audibly hear you know, him kind of grimace in pain as well. Um, yeah. I do think that there's no reason for him to play in the final preseason game. Uh, maybe he won't even be ready for it anyway. Um, who knows with ankle injuries and how they swell up and how long it takes to kind of recover from that. But I will say that he walked off, although he was kind of gimpy. He like walked off on his own. I think it would be a much bigger issue if – he needed help, and you know yeah. he couldn't put pressure on it as much. Uh, but I don't know if that's a sign uh, that things could be better than they really are. So I say, you know, just have him ready in a week for San Antonio if that's possible. Do not playing him in this final preseason game. But yeah, that's kind of what went through my mind. Uh, it's hard to fully make a judgment because we don't know the extent of it. But to your point about his on-court play, I, that's exactly what I had to in terms of his finishing and especially his rim finishing. I'm not sure if that will be all that improved this season, as much as Clifford wants to stress him getting to the rim and and drawing fouls, which is is great. Like you want him to do that because he's such a great free throw shooter, but his strength is still an issue for me. He gets pushed off his spot. And when he's trying to drive closer to the rim, he gets put in weird angles because uh, he can't body a player, which, you know, if you just look at his frame, that's just not, that's just not him. I think there's a prime example in the first quarter he tried to drive on Kuzma. I mean, granted the guy is two inches taller and about 20 pounds heavier than him, but he gets pushed under the basket and he just tries to throw up this shot from an awkward angle basically on the same side that he was driving from, and it predictably missed. So I, I've mentioned this before on a pod. I've mentioned this before on Twitter, uh, but I do wonder if he's going to tap into something to provide a little bit more of the scoring option. Could it be that standstill mid-range shot? Uh, because I'm still a little bit hesitant on whether or not that rim finishing will come this season. But yeah, let, let's just hope that that this injury is not as bad as maybe it could be.
1: Yeah, the he did have one... Right at the end of the first half, one pretty nice finish where he got to his right hand and got into the paint and, and finished through contact. But other than that, yeah. it was uh, pretty rough. And yeah, I just don't think it's going to be a thing we can count on this season. And in part because, I mean, once again, no minutes, um, P.J. Washington didn't play tonight. But yeah, we've so this is now four preseason games. And they've had a true center on the court, if you want to at least you know, add Kai Jones into that mix, which is maybe a bit of a stretch, but they've had a, you know, a rim running five, let's say, let's put it like that on the floor for every minute of preseason basketball so far. And, you know, those North South rim runs, those, you know, that can help, that can help someone like a Milo get into the paint, but also being able to play five out, um and, and really space the floor is another way to do that. And that just is, for right now does not seem to be a thing that the Hornets are going to lean heavily on, which is, I think, something we're going to talk about a lot once the season actually um, starts. But Mill did have a really nice pick-and-roll lot pass to uh, Nick Richards yep. uh, like probably a minute or so before uh, he got hurt. And uh, look, that... The assist for that play really should also come to Washington's pick and roll defense. The two weak side defenders were complete statues as Richards just just rolled with ease and pleasure to the rim uh, for a nice finish uh, off the lot from LaMelo. But yeah, I think the standstill jumper, the step back jumper, like he's got the ability with his with his quickness uh, to in his gather. To, to separate and take those shots right to take the pull-ups to take the step backs um, to create space that way I think it would be a huge boon for him and I don't know if we're going to see it this year either if he could really take a step as like a pull-up three-point shooter because then all of a sudden you're going to kind of spook the defense a little bit right and all of a sudden the on-ball defenders are going to have to fight over the top and without that, they can they can kind of go under, and mm. Lamelo can take those pull up threes, and he's going to punish them some nights. Or they can go under, and then Plumlee or Williams or Richards can flip the screen, and Lamelo can try to you know drive the other yeah. direction. So there's some counters to it, but he could really like force the defense's hand a little bit if he became on greater volume a high thirty percent three point shooter on off dribble threes, but that's a tough step to make like that's a, that's I think at some point in his career, he'll get there. I just don't know if it's going to be his age 21 season, mm-hmm. but um, we, I will, I will see, but uh, ultimately with, with Lamello, you just, you hope he's okay. And it can't be stressed enough. Like they need to take their time bringing this guy back. I mean, left ankle sprain. They don't, you know, it's over a week until the season opener, against san antonio i'm sure he'll play in that game but they're just going to to be careful with this because there's just no need to risk running this guy back
2: exactly Uh, especially considering the roster that is around him currently yes let's talk about the bigs real quick uh, in terms of this game specifically i thought all the bigs played well you know Plumlee, even though it was limited minutes he also left early with an injury nick richards mark williams very, very impressive play from both of those guys, uh, especially Richards to me. I mean, I think outside of the foul trouble, he had a really solid run tonight, especially midway through that second quarter. He was strong around the rim. It felt like all the bigs had a concerted effort of trying to get down and transition and and beat their opponent into the paint. And Richards did that. Plumlee did that. Williams did that. They got positioning on their guy, kept them on their back, and those little like over-the-top passes came. I thought Richards was very strong around the rim, just going up. He even had like a very good offensive rebound in a second jump, where it just was very quick. Like he didn't he didn't try to go for that putback dunk, like I mentioned on the last podcast, that often. I think he did it maybe one time in this game, but he just gathered it, went back up. He was strong with it, didn't lose possession, and threw it down. And I think if he can just play within himself and his role, that will go a long way for uh, his production this season. You know, I was a little bit lower on him. I can't remember which game it was uh, this preseason where I was just like, okay, it's a ho hum play from Richards. But tonight, it's a little bit different. Obviously, they're playing the Wizards, which is, you know, not a great team, but they still got Gafford and you know Porzingis is not necessarily a defensive Mm -hmm. beast by any means, but he was impressive. He was impressive running running to the rim, beating those opponents. um... And like you mentioned, he had that nice pick-and-roll lob dunk in the third quarter, and I've always said that he's an underrated pick-and-roll man, even though he's not some kind of pogo stick. And then Mark Williams, he played well uh, in addition to Richards and Plumlee. I think that for a guy that doesn't have like a bevy of post moves... All it takes for him is to kind of get that little head fake, get his opponents in the air, and with his quickness off the floor, with his wingspan, it's pretty much over at that point. And then the best play for Williams uh, highlighted it on Twitter, but just his defense and space, I can't remember which player it was that he was defending, but just chopping his feet, moving his feet, moving his hands, uh, and no ground was gained uh, by the opponent. So I thought Williams, Richards, and Plumley all looked good tonight.
1: Yeah, agreed, and I, I, I won't repeat anything you said about Richards, just I really did appreciate him running and sealing uh, mm-hmm. in this game uh, in transition, those early rim runs, and I actually think there was at least once, maybe twice where uh, he actually should have gotten the ball again on one of those and he either got looked off or um <laughs> a foul happened or something like that, but uh, even Gordon Hayward had a had a, a seal. Uh, <laughs> he didn't get it though. This game. He didn't get. You could tell he was he was, <laughs> he <ignored>. was frustrated. <laughs> I think it was think it was Rozier, and then it was actually Nick Richards too. Both like kind of looked him off. Yeah, that was more in the half court than transition. Yeah, but uh, I digress. Um, and then Williams, uh, who I, I'll spend a minute on here. Just I thought tonight. Very impressive, obviously, three of three shooting everything right at the rim, and he's coming off of playing pretty well. I think to close things out, the Boston game last Friday, tonight, I thought he showed good, good patience, good poise, and good lateral mm-hmm. movements and spatial awareness, and a couple of different pick and roll coverages. So maybe tapping a little bit into some of the scheme versatility that you're always hoping to see from these center defenders. But Richie, you talked about the switch, his ability to get down and, and move and use really use that wingspan and his quick arms. His arms are quicker, uh, but he gets steals. He gets loose balls um, obviously because of the reach, but he's not like lumbering. Like there is some, there is some quickness. Um, in in almost like a finesse to his games at at times. I mean that like in a, in a positive sense, though I think there are at times it can also bend back the other way. Like when you know Justin Jackson blocks him uh, when he's going up for a dunk in the last game against Boston. But I thought Williams in the drop looked comfortable tonight. And granted, he's not having to get ready to help out on some lethal pick and roll creator. But in, so the, the uh, degree of difficulty right. will obviously go up in the regular season and we'll see how much he even plays to start the year at center, uh, assuming Plumlee is still going to get, you know, his, his token, you know, 18, 20 minutes a game or whatever. We'll see how long that lasts. But I just thought Williams is doing a nice job uh, dropping, but, but, but not being, it's not, you know, a Brooke Lopez, like deep, deep drop. But, you know, and just having his hands high and and, and being both long and wide um, and being ready to, to make a play in space. And I think as long as he's looking comfortable like that and he's making sure, or not he, like his defenders on the wing, the weak side guys are checking out, then... I'm very curious to see like what those defensive possessions look like with Williams guarding pick and roll this season but obviously that's sort of a long-term project but um I think there are some rather encouraging signs and trends we're seeing from Williams and it, this is to be clear like I covered mark for two years at Duke I was at all of the the games last season um his growth, Becoming more technical as a drop defender is impressive. Um, during his time in college, there was there was development, but but even more so now, the last um, you know, really I guess like six to eight months. And the lateral smoothness and quickness, which is something that Duke's staff worked on with him very hard. And, you know, you're seeing the comfort level being able to switch out onto an NBA guard or wing and and slide with them and turn them. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's a different story if Brad Beal's playing tonight, (laughs) you know, and and all of a sudden he's the one striking heart uh, and striking fear in the heart of Charlotte's pick and roll coverages, but um, he wasn't, and, and Williams held his ground. So I'm just curious to monitor that rotation to see if Richards can kind of keep these types of efforts up and see the growth of Williams and just see where that rotation is with Plumlee by you know, two months into the season or by the midpoint of the season and, and also not losing sight of the involvement of Kai Jones in that rotation. And as again, PJ. I mentioned this earlier, but just where PJ Washington, yeah. if, and when he factors in as a uh, small ball five for the Hornets team, which again, I do think is something they're going to need.
2: I think they'll eventually get to it. I mean, it feels like I have this preseason they're not, but Clifford's going to come around and realize that that obviously has to be a a factor within this roster. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's end on this Uh, preseason hot takes or preseason overreactions. I know I kind of sprung this on you late. I texted you about in the third quarter to come up with one of these and at least half believe what you're about to say. So, Brian, do you have a hot take or an overreaction after these uh, four games of preseason?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much of a hot take or overreaction this is. Um, I tried to find something that was maybe more inflammatory, and just really at this point <laughs> couldn't quite think of something. But my thought would just be like, it, "Charlotte has to tank." <laughs> like I, I know everything we just talked about for the previous thirty minutes, and most of the gist of this podcast. Um, is sort of like focusing on the Hornets from a a game-to-game, you know, what's working, what's not Mm -hmm. working perspective. And I don't think we ever lose sight at all about team and player development um, in team building. We talk about it all the time, and we've talked about the cognitive dissonance between what the team is trying to do and what's best for this team, you know, in the intermediate future, the long-term future. But I don't know. I don't think this can get said enough, man. It's just... They need more talent on this roster. There are game changers at the top of this draft for 2023 with Wemben Yama, Scoot Henderson, and Eamon Thompson. And I think the the Hornets should be um, aggressively finding ways to position themselves to get one of those guys.
2: Yeah, I guess it's not really much of a hot take because we've had those conversations before, yeah. but um, it, it could be a hot take in the general sense that uh, the likelihood of the Hornets trying to do that seems a little bit lower than the way that we feel about the situation. So, uh, But mine is actually kind of related to what you said, and uh, it's more of an overreaction to today's game against the Wizards and the play of Richards and Williams. And it's not necessarily an on-the-court prediction like yours. It's off the court. But my overreaction to the steady play of Richards and the improving play of Mark Williams is that Mason Plumley will be the first Hornets player traded. So that's mm-hmm. that that's my preseason overreaction. And it's just based on those two young players there. He's on an expiring contract. I'm not really sure what the return would be, but I'm more focused on the outlook for this team and how they can get by with Richards and Mark at the five and then PJ Washington sprinkle in as well. So My tune has changed a little bit uh, with Nick Richards over the course of these four games, uh, more so in his favor after watching tonight. And I know it's just the Wizards and I know it's just preseason, but I'm going to run with this take. I think that Mason and I actually don't think Mason played bad. I don't think he has played bad in the preseason, but he's going to be the first player that is traded by the Hornets. And who cares what the return is? But that's that's my prediction.
1: Yeah. I, I like that. I like that prediction. And I think it's, I mean, you look at the, you look at the amount of guys that are behind him in the expiring contract, you know, and it, it's, you know, one plus one equals two. I I do also think that if there, if, if there isn't a trade for Plumlee, but the Hornets are just like flailing by, you know, in the sort of like buyout window and the, the, you know, the back half back third of the season, my guess would be that Plumlee gets bought out, right? And you just, mm-hmm. that way you can maybe see, maybe he catches on with a a playoff team and, and that way you can allocate all of your center minutes to Richards and Williams, uh, most importantly Mark Williams, but also Nick Richards and, I guess Kai Jones as well.
2: All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap here. The, uh, the last two preseason games have been probably the most enjoyable. The Hornets do have one more preseason game on Wednesday against the 76ers. I don't think we're going to do a, uh post game reaction unless, uh, we, we kind of decide to do it at the last minute. <laughs> but what I will say is on Thursday, uh, the BuzzBeat Plus subscribers have already listened to this, but Brian and Lee did a very good podcast on Victor Wimbanyama and a little bit of a Scoot Henderson talk as well. But I, I broke it into two parts. The first part, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to listen to it, just kind of like a scout on, on Victor. And then the second part, it's only about 20 minutes long. So if you're not really worried about Victor the player, but you want to know how it could affect the Hornets' outlook moving forward, brian and lee did a good job of talking about that as well so you'll get two episodes on thursday it was one long recording that we broke it apart but before the regular season we're hoping to get a regular season preview as well uh, before the spurs game so brian any uh last thoughts before we uh, head out of here nope let's uh let's call it a night here (laughs) let's call it a night all right guys uh for brian i'm richie go hornets